0: This is episode 638 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's podcast, I have a special roundtable episode with Chip Feck, Mick Rowland, and Brian Hawkins. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is usually an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website. But from time to time, I interview members of the preparedness community who can bring a ton of value and information to your preparedness. Links for this podcast can be found in the show notes or on theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper website, so you can trust it. Other benefits include members-only videos, periodic webinars, and online meetups. This is a great value for $20 a year. For more information, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Well, everyone, welcome to this podcast episode. This is a first for the Prepper website podcast. I've never done one like this. And let me explain to you how I just came up with the idea. I mean, it's not anything new. There's plenty of podcasts that do roundtables and uh, plenty of videos that do roundtables and things like that. But this one really stemmed from one of our online meetups. And, you know, uh, talk about the exclusive prepper website email group, which, uh, you know, we have a lot of people over there. It's, it's a really great deal. You get to uh, communicate with other preppers who, who understand you, who know where you're coming from. And a lot of the times you don't get that in, your, in real life, but you get to do that through email. Well, one of the things that we've added is online meetups. And so you don't have to do it if you don't want to, but you can come on and different people do do it differently. Some people come on full on camera, full on microphone, and they're interacting and talking and sharing with you know what's going on and their preparedness insights. Other people will come on and they will talk, but they don't have their camera on. Other people will come on, they don't have their camera on, their microphone on, but they are listening and they're interacting with chat. And then other people come on and they don't do anything. They're just listening. They're just kind of lurking. Kind of what some people do, maybe on in a Facebook group or, or something along those lines. And as we finished up one of those meetups, uh, just this last one that we did, I came away from that one thinking, man, we did, uh, we, we had a lot of great discussion there. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good information that other people really should should hear, and other people should should know about. And I wish other people would would take part in it. And so then I received some emails from group members you know, just straight to to me, right? Not to the group, but then some people did it to the group, but some did it straight to me, thanking me for doing it and hosting it and 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 you know making sure that we could we could meet up like that. You know, it's one thing to do an email, but it's another thing to. Come on and be able to see other people's faces and talk and, and just kind of go that way. And we try to be purposeful. We had an agenda, we, uh, we had specific things that we talked about. And, uh, you know, I just got a lot of great feedback from it. So as I was thinking back, I was like, you know what? I, I have some people in the email group that are bloggers who have their own websites who probably wouldn't have a problem coming on and talking a little bit about some of the things that we talked about and talking about the coronavirus and, and what's going on in their world and just sharing some insights there. Everyone's coming from different places. And so that's what I did. I asked various bloggers that are part of the email group to be a part of this this roundtable. And we had a great, great discussion. So all three of these uh, these bloggers you're you're familiar with, uh, Chip Feck over at cribsteward.com, Mick Rowland over at Mick-Roland. And it's funny because when he says it, he says dash. So Mick-Roland.com. And then Brian Hawkins of NextStepSurvival.com. I think I've read articles from all three of their websites, but you know we have some uh, really great discussions here and uh, we're able to come on. They talked a little bit about some of the things that they focus on a little bit more. One of the things that Chip uh, wanted to remind me of afterwards is uh, he he does he he provides a forms packet and he sells a forms packet so that you can inventory your preparedness uh, gear, your food, all those different kinds of things. And he wanted me to let everyone know that he for for the listeners of this episode, he'd like to offer a twenty percent off coupon for the forms packet. So that's uh, that coupon code is P W for Prepper Website twenty. For twenty percent off, I'm going to put that in the show notes so that you can uh, you can have that as well. But I'm also going to link to all of their websites so you can go and check them out if you are not familiar with their websites. Although, like I said, I have read their articles before in the past. So a lot of great information here. We talk a, a lot of different talk about a lot of different things, but. Um, there everyone's coming from different perspectives. And so I think it's a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. So let's go ahead and get into this round table with Chip Feck, McRoland and Brian Hawkins. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me on this special gallery edition, gallery episode of the Prepper Website Podcast. Hey, as we get started, I'd love for you to briefly introduce yourself and talk to us a little bit about your journey into preparedness. Uh, Chip, can you do that for us? Can you start us off?
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Chip Feck, and I'm the owner of Crib Steward. My business helps people document their estate and prepare for disasters and emergencies. I provide uh, on-site services for document archiving, creating personal property inventories, and consulting for disaster preparedness. I've built a custom website and a packet of editable PDF forms that uh, enable you to document your state and manage your preparedness efforts. <clears throat> I've been preparing for about six years. Um, while I was researching competitors in the personal property inventory space, uh, I came up on the topic of emergency binders that's talked a lot about in the uh, uh, preparedness community. And I started learning more and more and learning about what I didn't know, you know, et cetera. And Et cetera. And then um, I read one second after, and that was it. So uh, my complacency bias bubble burst, and I pivoted my business towards preparedness and, um, you know, really having not look back.
0: All right. Well, thank you. Thanks for uh, that, that little bit of information to let us know who you are and uh, how you got into preparedness. Uh, Mick, would you, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and
2: your journey into preparedness? Sure. Uh, Mick Rowland, uh, author of uh, Prepper Fiction. Um, I had started out, I mean, I don't want to go back to, I was born in a log cabin sort of days, but the uh, <laughs> you know, looking back, I could see that as a child, I was always kind of into preparedness, even though I had no idea what that was. And uh, the Boy Scouts kind of accelerated that. I wouldn't say it caused being prepared, but I gravitated toward that because I was kind of of that mindset anyway. But uh, you know, you grow up, you get married, you have kids, and life gets busy, and you forget all about those things. But we, uh, we suffered a pretty significant ice storm back in the mid '90s, and uh, we were without power for several days and didn't mm-hmm. have any running water. We were melting snow for water and uh, had a fireplace, and you know that was sort of uh, the shake out of the complacency thing of uh, realizing,, yeah, you know, i got a lot of vulnerabilities that I'm going to need to take care of. If, being part of a uh, husband and father. And so that kind of got me a little more serious about uh, being prepared again. I still didn't know the name Prepper. I was just trying not to do that again. Uh, And uh, a little like Chip, I started uh, reading uh, Prepper fiction like one second after. And after reading several of those and several really bad ones, I thought (laughs) I can do better than that. So I started writing my own and, uh, you know, got a, five book series up so far and you know been enjoying the ride awesome awesome brian tell us a little bit about yourself
0: man and your journey into preparedness
3: well my name is brian hawkins i run next stepsurvival.com and uh wow uh mick i'm not sure how many people one second after has influenced that much but i it had a big and large impact on me as well um back in 2003 i think it was we had the uh I think they called it the northeast blackout or something we were where where i'm at we were out for like four and a half days and at the time i was caught completely unprepared um all the way down to under a quarter tank of gas all the gas stations was closed um i don't remember what day of the week was but we we were low on everything everybody was worried about the the food in the refrigerator and freezer going bad. I wasn't worried about it because they were pretty much bare. You know, it was not a good <laughs> good place to be. And I got fortunate with my uh father. He had um, prepared way beyond what I had realized. And they had a cellar and, um, uh, you know, they did the canning. And to me, all the canning meant was don't go there that weekend because he's, one, he's very grumpy or on the weekends because he's very grumpy. And all you could hear all day long was that, you know, chirping of the pressure cooker so it wasn't a good time to be around so I just completely ignored that never learned any of it but I sure became a believer when we me and my I still had three kids living at the house and my wife we all basically moved in there for most of that week we ate good he had general he had a generator so we had lighting uh, we had everything we we needed and uh he <laughs> he haven't even had um Probably 20 gallons of gas. So, you know, it, we put gas in my pickup truck and everything. It was just, it was just a sense of security that you know, as a grown man with your own family, you know, you you get to see what well, I should be doing. This, not going to mom and dad, or in this case, just my father. And uh, I kind of let that slip by. You know, I mean, I it had an impact, but not enough to motivate me to do anything until I started listening. On books, you know, audi- audible books, and I started listening. And I think I'm pretty sure One Second After is one of the things that got me to look into um, YouTube. And that just opened up a whole door like, wow, look at these podcasts. And then the podcasts and YouTubes, and a lot of it sent me off onto the wrong direction. You know, um, buying literally thousands of dollars worth of um, bushcrafting gear and hiking equipment and all that type of stuff and uh that's kind of what got me in, uh, with next step survival you know like okay this is this everybody's selling something you know so you know you got to get this latest greatest tent you know so i've got a tent back there that was 500 and something dollars it's a four season tent i've used it exactly once and that was in my backyard with my grandchild but, my you, survived. Hmm? but you survived yeah, I survived my backyard for a night, you know, with the dog and the grandkid, you know. So that type of thing was—I I thought, well, maybe if I had a website, like take you step by step. And it hasn't quite gone as as well as I thought, you know, because I get sidetracked and distracted and such. But you know, that's that's the motivation of that.
0: You know, that's very interesting that you say that because I think a lot of people uh, that start websites and we're all we all have websites um, do it because. They see a need out there and they, they start to, to fill it and they feel like they, they can do it. I know that's why I started Prepper website because I, I knew that there were people out there that were going from website to website to website trying to find the most recent articles and I figured if I can put them all the best in one place, that would be so much easier for people who don't know how to use an RSS feed and, and uh, you know don't want to spend hours bouncing around from, from website to website. So I think that's, that's really interesting that um, we, we all kind of, I, when I listened to all of y'all, there was all a need there that y'all filled. And I think that's really important. And when, when we're looking at that, so those that are listening to the, to the podcast, when you go to a website, you're going because most of the time, uh, someone really felt a need out there and they felt like they could, could contribute to the preparedness community those that start it because they think that they're going to make a lot of money and start off and and have this big website and and all that kind of stuff. Those guys don't last very long. And, and, you know, that's been very apparent. I've talked about that in the past, those guys, you know, they, they get started and then they, they wind up leaving. You really have to be on a mission to, to really want to help other people. So uh, I'm glad you guys are all here. Thank you so much for taking this time and one of the reasons why I asked y'all, and I had I even had the idea to do this roundtable, is because in the email group that we have, the exclusive email group, we were all talking, we were all sharing things, and you know, not just us, there was a lot of a lot of other people there, but I was like, man, this is some really great stuff, and it'd be great to be able to do a podcast episode where you know we just kind of talked a little bit. We were really focusing on, you know, the coronavirus, COVID-19, the pandemic, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we all kind of went around to talk about what we're seeing in our area. And I didn't have permission from everybody to record that episode or that Zoom meeting because we were, you know, hey, that's one, one of those things where uh, some people don't even like to uh, even turn their cameras on, right? But they, they like to be there and they like to hear and, and contribute or sometimes they don't even contribute. Sometimes they're just there they're listening to everything. But I figured that we could talk a little bit, maybe share some of those same insights that uh, we shared when we had that Zoom meeting. And so I want to start off with this question right here. What does the pandemic look like for you in your area, wherever you are? Um, We're all in different places, and it's going to look a little bit different. And so uh, I guess, Mick, can we go ahead and start with you? What does it look like for you?
2: Well, as I would mentioned in that other uh, Zoom meeting we had, It doesn't look that bad. It's not all that onerous. Uh, People are just sort of voluntarily staying home so that it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like a Sunday afternoon every day of the week for uh, not a whole lot going on. Stores are closed, but I can live with that. Uh, People go out, they've got a mask on. Uh, Well, most of them do. So uh, yeah, people are kind of coming and going. It used to be a little bit easier. You could go to the store Uh, You could go to Home Depot, go get whatever, uh, go to the grocery store and pick up a little something, no big deal. Now, you know, they're starting to make up rules that uh, make it a lot less convenient, uh, letting only so many customers in a store at a time, or they have lots of little human traffic rules about one-way aisles in the grocery store. And so it used to be a little easier, but it's just a little less convenient. But other than that, not particular hardship. Are you hearing about uh, a lot of hospitalizations, a lot of deaths, um, those types Um, of things? Actually, uh, New Hampshire is pretty low on the scale of those things. And I was even looking at a map of uh, town by town who's got the most coronavirus cases. And I was sort of amused that there was a a little ring of orange all around the map with our town. And we were a little white spot, like we didn't have any. So Mm -hmm. I thought, well, that's kind of cool. That's good. My, my, uh, my immunity force field is working so far.
0: There you go. You, you prepped the the force field. Yeah. Uh, so Brian, tell us what, uh, what it's like where where you're at. Can you, and if you're comfortable sharing at least, you know, what part of the country you're in. And so, you know, people
3: might have a, a little bit more of a, of an idea of where you're at. Sure. I'm in Southeast Michigan. I'm about 20, 20 miles West of Detroit in the suburbs. And, uh, Detroit got hit hard, and the county I'm in, Wayne County, is the the hot spot for Michigan. And I believe we're number three in the national, at least we were a week ago, number three as far as I think it was New York, New Jersey, and then Michigan. Of course, I haven't really been paying attention for a few days, but we got hit real hard. Um, See on the news that we, we have the reefer trucks. Um, behind the hospital for all the the bodies, which is pretty sad. It's devastating. Um, <laughs> and as far as like the stores, um, we've had we've had that as well. As far as I haven't been going to any stores, but I do have family that's uh, that talks about it a lot. And they have the uh, one way aisles, X's every six feet for you to stand on, and uh, you know to keep your social distancing. Um, the governor we uh, she extended it to the 15th of May. It was due to expire at the end of April and with that she added some more she lifted some some things like now you can go golfing if you want or you can garden now so and the snow stops so that's good timing but the uh, she added like where you have to wear a mask if you go into a uh, public building so, I had a brother-in-law just this morning say that he um went to Menards and they had they told me couldn't come in unless he had a mask on and they were willing to sell him one but it was, uh, he said I, they wanted a dollar and I think like, well, give him a dollar you know I, I haven't think about going there just to get a dollar mask but um <laughs> he uh he he ended up not going in. He was upset about that but I understand you know the the mask doesn't really protect ourselves it protects others so if everybody's where i know it's very inconvenient but if you're all going to be you know like in an area it might be a good idea i just don't like the way the government i don't like being told to do that type of thing but i understand it's it's you know for everybody's benefit other than that you know i'm i've we've been pretty much um completely quarantined for for several weeks today was supposed to be my first day back to work for Weeks and then my wife, she's been quarantined here for six weeks, five and a half weeks, and uh, everybody in the house, nobody in the house has been leaving. And um, I said supposed to because they actually didn't have work for me. I actually went to work and they told me to go home. But um, other than that, I think I think everybody's pretty much got a handle on how to you know protect themselves as far as hand sanitizer if, if you've got the gloves everybody's uh wearing masks i know the people on the podcast can't see this but everybody's making these masks you know the instead of you know since you can't get the n95s now i have my own masks but the uh, uh the what do you call it? the crime um, rate is supposedly down of course somebody was just shot last night three miles from my house but they said the crime rate's actually down so i'm not mm-hmm. really sure it doesn't really go with you know the way we really expected things to go so i guess that's a good maybe the criminals don't want to come out or maybe they're not breaking into homes because they know everybody's in there so
0: so you you've been sheltering in place for a while here and uh been been taking care of it that way uh as as far as uh not going out and uh seeing a lot of the other things that that have been going on my uh our governor just we were uh here in texas um, we were supposed to, uh, we thought he would extend it as well, but they, um, the, the, the shelter in place ended at the end of April. It's going to end this Friday or Thursday and they're going to open up, uh, Texas, you know, they have different phases. I kind of like what he's doing. I understand what he's doing, but, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, there is concern out there. So every, every governor is going to be doing it a little bit differently. And so that's, that's curious that they've extended it where you're at. Um, I know my county uh, has been the hardest hit in in Texas. Although Dallas is is pretty close behind us, um, but we're seeing we're seeing numbers go up all the time. But not like I thought it would have been. And so, you know, that's that's one of those things. Chip, what does it look like for you? Where what part of the country
1: are you in? I'm uh, right outside of uh, Richmond, Virginia. Um, I think when I looked yesterday, we've got like twelve thousand three hundred some odd. Uh, uh, cases, and a little over 400 deaths, so really not too bad. Um, most of those cases and deaths are in the northern part near D.C. Uh, and on the, the coast down in Norfolk. Um, the governor, you know, shut down things uh, around the end of March pretty quick and sent the majority of state workers home. I'm a consultant with state government, and uh, so I think we got a, a jump on it quick enough, and with the social distancing and uh, people being smart, that uh, you know it's kept those cases down. There was about a, a two and a half week period, I guess, end of March, first of April, where uh, you know there was there were no uh, paper products. So, you know, three quarters of the stores were three quarters of the store was pretty much empty. Uh, we haven't been out that much, so talking to people in one or two trips that we had made. Um, Now, I think they're, from what I hear, the grocery stores are about 75-80% stocked, um, except for paper products, bleach, and hand sanitizer. So that stuff is nowhere to be found. Maybe if you go early in the morning, you know, you can find some of that stuff. Um, One of our trips, uh, around the first week of April or so, we had like three things we really thought we needed to buy, went into Kroger and I was like shocked. I mean, it was crowded. Uh, people were scurrying around. I'd say there was, you know, 30% left items in the store. Everything was just gone. And my thoughts went to the store, the stories we've been hearing about in Venezuela. And, uh, you know, the fear of missing out kicked in, you know, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty fairly su- got a good supply of food and, and uh, medical, medical supplies and stuff. But, uh, you know, we went in there to get three things. Next thing you know, I spent a ton of money. I was like, you know, I was freaking out. <laughs> I've never seen anything uh, like that. And when I left, you know, I talked to my wife and said, you know, here, here we are feeling this pressure and anxiety and, and we have prepared. I, I just can't imagine how people you know, were feeling that are not into preparedness and not getting ready. So, but uh, overall, we're doing pretty good with the population that's here.
0: That's great. Um, I know that my store has, um, the grocery store that I go to, uh, there's a lot of things that have uh, you know come back to the shelves. I mean, the paper products, uh, even eggs. There's plenty of eggs last time that I went to the grocery store. Uh, but pasta, one, that's it's kind of crazy. Pasta is one of the things that you can't find. And then you know, the paper products and things like that, but uh, I got to tell you going to the store at a you, you've really got to go look I, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but going to the store at a certain time of the day where there's no cars in the parking lot really is the key. I went Sunday morning I was uh, I, I, I finished preparing early for church. I had my message ready, everything was done. Uh, I had you know the all the online stuff that I was gonna do, and I went. Uh, right at the time where they open it up to the general public because they, they allow uh, those that are 65 and older to go between seven and eight o'clock in the morning. So I was there right at eight o'clock when they allowed the general public and there was nobody there, nobody Hmm. there. And that was the perfect time. So if people are looking for a time to go Sunday morning, I'm not telling you not to go to church. You got (laughs) to go to church, but go right before. And um, people just, they're still looking at the weekends, as being the times that, I guess, to sleep in. I guess that's the, the one thing that I can, that I can think of. Um, hey, so I want to ask you this question. When, when we think about pandemic in the preparedness community, I mean, all the articles that I know that I have put on, uh, linked to on Prepper website, pandemic was like one of the worst of the worst. I always talk about after Armageddon that uh, National Geographics or Discovery Channel whichever one it was, docu, docu-drama, that that was the one that kind of got my wife really into, focused into prepping. And uh, this pandemic has been a little bit different. So, w- you know, what has been easier than you thought a pandemic would have been like in in this pandemic? You know, what what has been easier? Um, Brian, Let's will you kick this one off for us?
3: Sure. Um, personally, what I found easier was Living off of my preps, um, I'm almost—I almost feel bad to say it—but we've been breezing through this with less than uh, any inter- or no interruption whatsoever. I mean, we're we're eating more now because I mentioned this earlier, but we have now we have three cooks in the house and nobody's leaving the house. So we're having th- three cooked meals a day and I'm gaining weight. Well, everybody's talking about not being able to find anything and we need to we need to like slow it down. I was just talking to my wife, we're eating carbs like crazy. We're eating way too much food. Uh, everybody's bored, so they're cooking and hey, I'm, I, I don't turn food down. So I have to work on that, you know, saying no. But yeah, you know, I mean, as far as living on the prep our preps, not being able to or not having to leave the house, we haven't had any issues, um, not with food medicines or anything like that. Um, yeah,'ve we've, we've really had a, a pretty easy time with it. It's, it's almost I'm almost embarrassed to say that because I know people are struggling, I don't mean to brag about it. It's just it's really paid off the prepping has really paid off and on top of that we've been able to help so many family members My, I have a daughter that just moved into an apartment and we stocked her up uh I have a brother that's uh that that we helped out quite a bit you know and you know nobody in my family went without toilet paper or or anything else that, that we had here we we shared a lot of it we donated some stuff but the uh as far you know, it was like the ultimate test. And with that said, we still have a lot to learn, you know. So mm-hmm. I think anyone through this right now that isn't looking at saying, you know, like what went right and what went wrong and, and, and using that for the future, you know, the future uh, preparedness plan is missing out. So we definitely have to pay attention. Good, good, good point there. Mick, what's
0: been easier? You've been breezing by. you got the force field around you. So what's been easier
2: for you than you would have thought a pandemic would have put you through? Well, I guess not a pandemic specifically, but a lot of the prepping that I had done was geared much more around losing electricity. And so this for a crisis, the lights are on. I can cook with the microwave and the stove. And so... It hasn't been a hardship like I've been prepping for. I mean, I've got ways to bake bread in the wood stove and all kinds of other things that I can do, but I haven't had to do any of that. So it's been a lot easier than I had, uh, had imagined a crisis to be.
0: Very, very well said. Chip, what about you?
1: Uh, two things come to mind. Uh, the first is, you know, being cooped up with my wife, an adult son, and a three-year-old grandson in a not, in not a lot of space. So I thought that was going to be harder, but it really, uh, praise God, has not been that much of an issue. Um, the other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm blessed in that I get to work from home, uh, but being in a small space, you know, I was concerned about how hard that, that, that was going to be, but it's going fine. I don't know if I ever want to have to go back to the office. (laughs) Um, I like it and uh, I don't miss the commute into the city, you know, every day. So
0: that's, uh, well, I'm with you there on the working. I still pop into the office every so often, but um, I, I enjoy working from home. Although I feel like I work more from home than I do if I was going into the office because it just, you know, you need to, be able to get on a meeting whenever you can get on a meeting. And yeah. uh, sometimes that happens after hours and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, that well, has that happened.
1: With uh, with me, you know, my, I'm in my bedroom working. We have a, a, a bathroom in the bedroom. So I need to go to the bathroom. It's four or five steps, right? And then I'm back to work. And at work, Uh, you know, I'm walking down the hall. I would like, you know, normally stop by and talk to somebody, see how things were going. You know, it might take a few more minutes and I think I get a little bit more exercise, but I do seem to be working more and sitting more. So I got to work on some exercise
0: for for me. I, I thought a pandemic would be more stressful. You know, I thought there would be a, a lot more stress that I would have to be managing. And there is stress. I'm not, I'm not saying that there isn't stress, but kind of like what Brian was saying, it's, it's you know, it's been a lot easier than, than I would have thought. And uh, again, going back to what is written about it, the, the the books, the dystopian novels that you hear about, you know, pan- pandemic, the movies and, and things happen so fast and they go downhill so fast. And that's not to say that there ever could be a pandemic, that that would happen like that. Uh, this is definitely a different one. Uh, than, than you know, a lot of the other ones that move so quickly, but, uh, that for me, that, that has been easier. So let's go to the opposite of that. What has been a challenge? So Chip, start us off with that. What has been a challenge for you during this time?
1: You know, I think the, really the, again, I think we've had it pretty easy with this pandemic. You know, this is not, I don't even think we're close to an SHTF situation with this, but, um, to me, it's really been trying to manage anxiety over not having a home with some land to grow some food and maybe raise some small animals. Um, We moved from Kentucky several months ago, and we're living in an apartment, and while we're searching for a home, um, you know, we're really prepared uh, with lots of food and other supplies, but You know, with all the uncertainties of what's going to happen next, uh, is there a next wave? Is you know, could it be worse? um, We don't have a way to grow food, so that 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 anxiety, I think, is uh, what's been my biggest challenge.
3: Okay, Brian, what about you? Two things come to mind. The first thing is um, we have seven people in the house right now, and uh, keeping everybody um occupied so it's hard it's it's a it's a little hard for me to um understand i think because I, I don't i honestly don't think i've ever been bored a day of my life i i can always find something to do i'm fine isolated for weeks out in the woods if i you know i'm i'm okay with that so but it seems like everybody else is struggling you know to you know, you can only read so much. You can only make, you know, play cards so much, or watch TV so much. So everybody's having a, seemed to like to really be struggling with that. And you could watch almost each week, you could see the level of stress build and everybody's feeling a little bit more down, you know, and you can actually feel mm-hmm. it in the air by now. So mm-hmm. it's almost like everybody's getting depressed and uh, that's that's one thing. And that, as far as me personally, going back to where I can always find something to do, I have projects that I like to, to do. I mean, I got a list a mile long of things. And while I've been sitting at home for three weeks, I couldn't do most of those things because you can't go buy the materials. I, I, I prepped for a lot of things, <laughs> but not for my, you know, fun times, not for for projects. So, I, like, for example, next weekend I have some bees coming. and and I, uh, I planned on, you know, planting some uh, mulberry bushes and stuff, you know, it's mainly to keep it out of sight from, you know, from neighbors and stuff. I don't want people, you know, thinking that their kids and dogs are going to get bitten by these bees <laughs> and stuff. And so I had all these things that I wanted to do with my garden and outside and working on the the, the lawn tractor and all that type of things. But all that's been restricted from us. We couldn't go to we could go to certain places but we couldn't go into certain areas of certain places if it yeah. makes sense so i was you know i couldn't go buy lumber for example It just just we can't now but now i'm back to work so all that time that i had off i had to put off a lot of the things that i wanted to get done it would have been ideal to get those done while i was at home
1: yeah,
2: yeah understandable definitely mick what about you Um, a little bit like Brian, I sort of had no problem with being told to stay home for weeks and weeks because that that sounded like a good deal to me. Uh, Unlike Brian, I had uh, bought stuff for some projects like my rain barrel projects. I had already Mm. been collecting that material over the winter. So it was finally warm enough I could deal with it. But, But yeah, if I wanted to do that now, I couldn't go out or at least I'd have to be really serious. If I have to wait in line to get into Home Depot, I'm talking a couple hour commitment. You can't just run in, grab a washer and come back out. And uh, so, you know, I wouldn't have any problem particularly with staying home, but one of the challenges that I've noticed with a pandemic over the grid being down or whatever, is that you can't go help anybody directly, that you have that isolation that even when we have our neighbors across the street, about most we can do is stay across the street and wave. And uh, so that's been kind of a different challenge is you can't go and help somebody directly has to be uh, socially distanced or not at all. And so, uh, well, that's a, it's a different hurdle to have to deal with when you're in a, in a crisis. You know, yeah, I I think ours, uh, something
0: similar to you, Mick, um, all, all my family lives in uh, the Houston area, and so we're pretty tight-knit. Um, my parents come over almost every Sunday evening to eat dinner, and, of course, we see them at church and different things like that, and we haven't seen them for a while, and so that was really hard. I, I didn't realize it. I think it's harder on my parents not seeing grandkids and things like that, um, but well, you know, we use Zoom to be able to connect with them, and so they were able to still – talk and see, you know, faces and things like that. And, of course, they call on the phone. But uh, that has been one of the the challenges is, you know, knowing that your parents are older and wanting to be able to to hang out with them. And theoretically, I guess you could, but we're just trying to be safe and we're trying to be careful. And so that's one of those things. So um, let me ask this question here. And uh, Brian kind of alluded to this uh, a little while ago, or somebody did about as, as we're going through this time and as we are using our preps, we're, we're, you know, using our food, we're doing all the different things. We are learn hopefully we're learning from this experience and we're realizing, you know what, this thing that we thought was going to be so important and so valuable to us, we haven't even used it once, but this stuff over here uh, that we, we, had no visibility on it at all. I wish I would have spent so much more time getting this or knowing how to do this or, or whatever it might be. So as you are thinking about, uh, you know, we're, we're weeks into this already, as you're thinking about your preps, what holes, if any, has this uh, situation revealed in, in your preps and what you have, um, you know, let's uh, Mick, will you start us off on that
2: one? Sure. Um, I guess going into it, maybe it's a hubris sort of thing, but I thought, well, you know, I got my buckets of rice and beans, and I've got canned goods all over the place, and you know, like uh, gasoline in cans and generators and all this other good stuff. But uh, when things started running out on the shelves, one of the things I noticed was dairy products, where, you know, they tended to disappear, but that was the kind of thing that you couldn't really do a 5 gallon bucket of milk and set it aside that it has a really short shelf life. And I like cream in my coffee. So, i discovered a problem. I was gonna, wasn't going wasn't going to have any cream for my coffee. And well, you know, that's that's called up the president kind of a problem there not having cream for <laughs> my coffee. But uh you now we had a little bit of powdered milk and that would have sufficed for a while, but I thought, you know, that's something I need to have more of. Is the powdered milk and maybe some other dairy things? Just because dairy, by its nature, has such a short shelf life, it's really hard to uh, to stack it up. But it's still a pretty crucial item. I uh, I was going to say I ran out of yeast and that was a bad thing, but uh, I managed to make the, uh, the sourdough starter work, and so I've been able to bake bread without commercial yeast. I still have some. I think we bought like the last three packets that Aldi's had. And uh, so far, nobody was mad enough to tackle me and take them away. So I guess we weren't we weren't tooth and claw at the time. But, uh, you know, some things like that, you can do some adapting. But that was the hole that I thought, yeah, I'm going to have to fix that as the dairy products. You, you know, when you said that, it reminded me uh, a lot of our, bake, baking,
0: uh, our baked good items like yeast and specific types of like bread flour and stuff, um, those are in short supply in, in this, the, the grocery store that I go to, which I think, I guess, you know, we have an older crowd, I guess, uh, older neighborhood around us, which is funny because there's plenty of bread though. I mean the bread aisle, there's no problem with bread, Mm. no holes at all, but cooking, you know, getting baking soda, yeast and, uh, you know, baking powder, all that kind of stuff that, that is in short supply. They have products that I've never Seen before, you know, name brands that I've never seen before. So, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting. There, Uh, I I, again, I'm going to go to it's an older uh, population around this area, and I bet they're baking more than uh, than most people would. Brian, what about
3: you? What are some holes that you found? Well, as far as a pandemic, I actually had a tote that I that I had labeled. I I I don't honestly. I think it said um epidemic but you know a a tote for this type of scenario and it had the things like um plastic and duct tape so we could tape up our doors and stuff and um i actually have some uh uh what is it called kydex uh full body suits we had the masks the gloves the hand sanitizer lysol spray wipes cleaners all that type of stuff even um uh bio uh cleanup kits so i thought it was pretty pretty set but that goes to those books and tapes i mean the audio books that i was listening to and the books we read and some of the podcasts some of the more extreme ones where we're always expecting the worst So when we come into an actual worldwide pandemic and then I'm considered an essential worker and like I said, I haven't worked in three weeks, but prior to that I was going to work and realizing that I had to go through that much hand sanitizer. And if I'm a, I'm a local truck driver, so I would, if I had 20 deliveries or 20 stops, deliveries and pickups that day, that was 20 pairs of gloves. So (laughs) And I may be doing it wrong, but I think everybody that's put on a pair of gloves and let you know, keeping them on all day long. I'm like, what's the point? If it's on your hands, it's now it's on your gloves, you're touching your steering wheel, your doors, everything else. So I would go through all that um, PPE, and I realized quickly that I was gonna run out. It, that's they that had a big factor on me deciding, hey, I'm not gonna get paid for it, but if you don't need me, I'm gonna be at home for a while. I have a, my daughter's high risk. Um, we don't, you know, I just don't want to bring something home to her. And that was even, and I, let me, I, I just want to, I know this is uh, not what we're supposed to do, but I want to promote your email list, the exclusive email list, because without that time, without somebody coming and bringing this to my attention and saying, these are available. I'm talking about the gloves and the hand sanitizer right now on Amazon. It'd be a great time to buy. And I bought and, it got me through the more you know. Got me through um, the time that I was working. I still have some left, and in the meantime, I've I managed to get some more. By the way, if anybody still needs hand sanitizer, there these uh, breweries are making this stuff now, and you can order it. Hmm. So, and it's a spray. It's not a lotion. And then on Amazon, you can buy these little little bitty spray bottles. Fill it up and just spray your hands with it. So. I wouldn't, you know, spray your face with her. And I think it's, I think it's green alcohol to be honest, but it's, it's supposed to be, you know, effective. But what I did is I went in my, in my mind, I went to the extreme. I'm going to be, we're going to have a pandemic or an epidemic. I'm going to be locked in my house for weeks, maybe months. Nobody's in or out. And that was it. I forgot about the part where we're going to live life through this and actually have to leave our house. So in the scenario where you're locked in your house, you don't, you don't need, you know, several boxes of gloves or a gallon of hand sanitizer or a or bunch of masks. You don't need that type of stuff. But the way it's turned out, you probably be better to, to actually have that stuff ahead of time. Because as we know, it's not available uh, right after everybody gets the news.
0: That's a good point. Good, good, uh, good stuff there, Brian. Chip, what about you?
1: Um, you know – i 'm really hurting on some medical supplies i 've got a lot of medical supplies for wound wounds you know and treating wounds and that, that kind of thing, but we were really low on cold and flu symptom medication, some pain relievers, especially for the three year old so you know once we started learning about how to uh, help with uh, the uh, virus that that was a very concerning We were able to stock up pretty quick but Certainly wasn't prepared for that. Um, we only had twenty N95 masks. We had plenty of um, probably three or four hundred, you know, nitrile gloves. So we did good on that. But you know, we didn't have uh, any kind of a Tyvek suits or the face shield or anything like that. So that that's still lacking somewhat. Um, had no hand sanitizer. Um, had a few uh, containers of the, you know, the disinfecting wipes, and we only had a small amount of bleach. So. Um, it there's a real wake up call for us of dealing with a pandemic
0: yeah and and again your situation where you're living in a in a smaller space i'm sure that that is one of those things that you start thinking about okay what do i need to what do i need to stockpile what's more important right and so i'm sure you're you're going through oh, that man, there
1: there's stuff everywhere i mean there's you can't go into any room and not see something piled up because it's just the space is really limited so Anyway, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that's uh, that's you know that's why you have apartment prepper, you have Bernie Carr, who who writes about apartment prepping and, and sharing stuff out like that. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about is um, all you know all of y'all have uh, something you know like I like i mentioned earlier, like Chip, you you talk a lot about inventory and you have you have that aspect of it of estate planning. Uh, Mick, you're an author. Brian, uh, you know you're doing. You have your next step survival, but it's kind of it, it's a general general website. But uh, I know that there's some things that that maybe uh, you have talked about and you have focused on before. I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about this pandemic, but I wanted to bring out something specific that might be a little bit more uh, that pertains at least to uh, something that you're more familiar with. And so, Mick, I, I had this idea to ask you this question. As an author, if you were writing a book on a pandemic, what would you make sure that you would highlight? If you were, if you were writing a book on, on a pandemic, what would you highlight? Well, it's sort
2: of funny that you asked because uh, going through all of this, I've started an outline for, uh, for a story <laughs> about a pandemic. Predictable, I know, but you know, it's, uh, it's fresh on my mind. Uh, my existing series was more of a grid down scenario where it wasn't a germ, but everybody had to deal with being grid down. And this, you know, a pandemic experience is rather different. And one of the things that I've noticed maybe from the author's point of view that's been of interest is not the science and, and that, side of, that side of things, but it's been uh, people. People. In their behavior. That's struck me as really rather interesting that uh, there's, on the one hand, there's generosity, like Brian had mentioned, there's people helping people and uh, altruism, that sort of ways. But one of the things that surprised me, I guess, was the, uh, the sort of petty tyranny of local government officials. know, I didn't even have to be as uh, high up as a governor, just Somebody on a town council decided that nobody should have a church and, you know, closing them down even though they're not got a problem. And I thought, well, that, that whole sort of impetus toward tyranny was kind of an unexpected human mm-hmm. feature. I mean, if you stand back, you go, well, yeah, of course, duh. But going into it, eh, not so much. Another thing that had struck me interesting uh, for, again, explore it in a story is uh, the xenophobia that. Uh, I don't know if you'd heard that the uh, governor of Rhode Island had told her state troopers to stop cars with New York plates because they didn't want people from New York coming into Rhode Island. (laughs) And uh, governor of New York didn't like that. And they had a hostile phone call, whatever. But even up here, I have noticed that there's some of that. What are these outsiders doing in our territory? Uh, Attitude. Uh, People are sort of grumbling, uh, well, also the store shelves are kind of empty. And so you tend to look at people without estate state plates as coming up to uh, swipe your goods, mm-hmm. uh, even if they're not coming to uh, spread a virus, which mm-hmm. is part of it, that uh, there's a little more sort of intolerance of strangers or outsiders. So there's almost a, uh, a parochialism that I wouldn't have anticipated that either. So I'm working that into the story that I'm in writing up an outline for is, uh, how people handle a pandemic, but not very well.
0: You're going to a lot of character development there,
2: right? Yep. A lot yeah. of, a lot of potential for conflict. <clears throat> is, uh, I was sort of, uh, telling my wife all of it and she goes, you're writing this stuff down, right? And I go, uh, no, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of opportunity for conflict when you have, uh, people who want to boss other people around and you have other people that are afraid of each other. And yeah, it's kind of hard to get something done as a group.
0: Well, good. We'll look forward to that uh, that book when you have it ready. Chip, You uh, you do a lot with inventory and you have great spreadsheets to help people prepare and to really look at what they have, not just throw things into a closet and, and try to figure out later on, try to remember what they have there. So my question for you is why is keeping an inventory about food and gear and, and all of that, um, why is it promoted so much in the preparedness community? And then because it's, it's promoted so much, but people don't do it. Why don't people do it? So can you talk to us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Um, you know, to to me, the biggest reason for keeping an inventory is for peace of mind. You know, if you if you have inventoried your food supplies and have recorded uh, your calories, then you got a general idea of how long you can feed your family. If uh, you've recorded the amounts of other supplies. Um, you can gauge, you know, how many wounds can you take care of? How many cold and flu episodes can you deal with? How much drinking water you have? So, to me, that provides a lot of peace of mind. I can I can glance and know, you know, without wondering um, what I've got, how long I can last for, for diff- different things. Um, if you record expiration dates, you can easily find out what's about to expire, you know, so that you can rotate uh, the food or the medicines out and start using it. Um, if you can access that inventory on your phone or take a copy with you when it, you're, at, you're at the store, you can set check to see what you already have. So you don't waste money on things that you don't need uh, right away. And you know, the uh, the other bigger thing is um, knowing where stuff is, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm not OCD about that kind of stuff, but I do like some order. So, uh I like to know where things are to quickly get to them if I need them. So I think there's a good reason to to have that inventory. But on the other hand, so why don't people do that? And and I think it, it's because it does set, take some work. And it's not a whole lot of fun. You know, it's much more fun to be cleaning our guns or, you know, there's a lot of other checking out our, our, our bags and get home bags, bug out bags, that kind of stuff. But it takes a little bit of work. You know, you have to set aside the time after you go to the store and buy stuff or order stuff that you got to add it to the inventory. You've got to look at and pay attention to the expiration dates, you know, and record those. So um, I think most of it is, we we all have a lot to do and uh, we don't make it a priority, but but, but we certainly should.
0: I, I think we've all had that situation where we're, milling around in the garage or in a closet we found something we're like oh my gosh that's where it is right yeah. or yeah. you know and <laughs> that that happens uh, especially early on in preparedness if if you are just you, you get the freak out moment and we all talked about one second after uh, you 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 watch or you read those books or listen to them and then you you have that freak out moment and you start going and buying all kinds of stuff and then you start putting them everywhere just to make room, you uh, you lose a lot of stuff. So have it well, after, a-
1: after you've been preparing for a while, y- you know, y- it's hard to remember everything that you've got. So the next thing you know, you've got four of this one thing when two is probably enough. So it's a good thing to do.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, Brian, one of the things, we, you know, when we were talking about in, or when we were meeting on Zoom, uh, the, the email group, One of the things you had mentioned about was, uh, you know, self-defense and looking at the crime. Uh, I I believe that if the economy begins to tank and with all these people out of work and, and we know that again, like I, I mentioned before, the Texas governor is trying to open up the state and trying to get things going. And, and we all understand why, because if people aren't working, that's not good. But what we hear is it's going to take a while for things to ramp back up again. And if things, if people start feeling it, right, financially, and they start getting concerned, we might start seeing a lot of crime out there. Uh, You have been carrying concealed for a while. And I just wanted to, you know, can you talk to us a little bit about that and, uh, you know, going into it and what are some things that we need to consider and think about when we are carrying concealed or just you know self-defense in general as we're out there
3: sure um at the moment i don't think we're anywhere near um the level where we should really be become paranoid with it but like you said um who knows what direction we're going to go in um here in michigan where we just extended it um extended the uh, stay at home order and um you know, the people's emotions are high strung right now. A lot of people, you know, regardless of if you think it's the right thing to do or not, with what our governor's doing with restricting so much from, from the people, either way you look at it, you you have a lot of um, very upset people. And then with some of us, you know, like, I haven't been paid, this, I'm going to go a month without a paycheck we prepared for that i can't imagine um you know living paycheck to paycheck and then and finding yourself in this situation when you've done everything that you thought you were supposed to do you went to work you paid your taxes you know you didn't kick your dog you know you, all these things that you were supposed to do would expect expected from society and all of a sudden you're at home and i'm I'm, ref- you know i know i know there's some government assistant programs that people can take well you know I've been hearing stories where people tried for weeks to get onto the Michigan unemployment uh, website and they couldn't, it was just, uh, uh, locked down, you know, the, just too many people they just couldn't keep it up. Mm-hmm. And Then they had the, am I still on? Yes. computer yeah. oh, <laughs> for, for a second. So if we end up getting into a, a really bad area, was as far as where people can't, um, buy food that they need. Or the things that they need, I think I think you you might have a, a issue. Already we're seeing you know people being very upset, and everybody seems to be handling it fine. But it's it's almost like we're on a tipping point. You know it's going to go one way or the other, and it's a lot of pressure. And um I think it I think if you can carry, and you feel safe to carry, I think it's probably a good idea if it's legal, and. Unfortunate where that as far as that part of Michigan, there's very few benefits to the state, but that is one of them. And I feel like and I don't want to say it's helping, but the the environment that I'm finding ourselves in it increases your situational awareness. So it's almost like training for this. So you're always on the lookout who's within six or ten feet from me, you know, because not because they might shoot you or stab you, but because they might hit you with an invisible, you know, weapon. So I find myself all the time before I step out of my car, um, before I open a door, before I turn a corner, I'm always looking around and I'm like, why wasn't I this observant before this when I was, you know, concealed carry? Now, I'm, you know, things just got real, real quick. And I'm always very hyper aware of what my surroundings are. And I think that's very important. And it's made me realize that it should have been important before this event because as a responsible gun owner and a concealed carry uh, person, you should already be doing those things. So that kind of brought, you know, woke me up to that, you know, as far as wanting to be aware of everything, but at the same time, You don't ever want to have, you know, have to defend yourself or someone else. But I think if if you're paying attention to what's going on and not looking at your phone or, you know, gossiping in the the line or looking at the latest tabloid, you're more likely to see what's going on around you. And hopefully you can just get out of the way and run like you're supposed to do. But so many people before weren't. And I don't. I haven't really been out and about but I did notice before I started before we quarantined at the house that there's less of that you can see a lot of people and you see a lot of fear in people's uh expressions too you know so they're standing back and and they look at you like you know are you contaminated you know so I mean it's it's sad but at the same time it, it it's it's uh it's eye opening it's a, it's a whole different world and honestly I don't know the I don't know if we're ever going to get back to the way where we were before. I I, I don't even, at this point, it's gotten so, so bad. I just don't even know if we're, or I think it's going to take more than a month or two. If we do, it's going to be years.
0: I I love, I love what you said about the situational awareness. I think that is the the key. That's where it all starts right there. Um, Even going into the store right now, Um, not necessarily even thinking about the self-defense, but I mean that, of course that, that plays into it. But, uh, just thinking about where I have my credit card and like, I'm not taking in my phone because I don't want, I don't want to pick up my phone and start doing that. Right. So, uh, I don't take in my wallet. I I'm only taking in my credit card or whatever I'm using to pay with. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm being very, very careful about what I touch and, and all of that. So like, what you said being that hyper being in that hyper aware state that where that you're very situationally aware and really that's the way that we're supposed to be all the time in in you know in life and just being careful so i I love what you said there i think that's the that's the place where everyone needs to start so uh good good point there so let's go ahead and uh, we'll start winding down i want to ask you i want to end up with this one this one last question here if the economy doesn't recover kind of brian like what you said it doesn't recover in a, in a couple of months in what i'm what what i'm reading what i'm seeing videos and different things like that it's it's kind of concerning because we have this pandemic that really caused this ripple effect almost like you know after armageddon it's just a lot slower than 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 we thought so if the economy doesn't recover like we would like it uh, to to do, right? And it continues to go south. It continues to go sideways. What kind of advice would you give out there to preppers right now as they are looking at and preparing for this near future, right? Maybe we're two months out, three months out, six months out. What kind of advice would you give? Uh, and of course, this is our opinion. And this is where, where we're uh, what we think, but a lot of us are paying attention. We're reading. We're we're researching. We're doing all that kind of stuff. So, what, what do you? What would? What advice would you
2: give, um, Mick? Let's go ahead and would you would you start us out on this one? Sure. I guess I'll uh, I'll steal one from Chip though, since I went first. Uh, one of the things I was thinking of is uh, <clears throat> excuse me. If you've got X amount of preps maybe they're kept track of on a nice spreadsheet that you know how much you've got. But if you think that in the next two, three months, you're not going to get any more that you'd want to start scaling back and kind of rationing to yourself saying, well, I've got X amount of stuff. I want it to last a certain amount of time. How do I divide that up and make sure it lasts as opposed to just continuing to, uh, eat high on the hog and then find out later you ran out. Yeah. So part way through I'd say well just assess and uh, see if you can ration yourself now. I mean later on if everything comes back well fine you lost a little weight. But if not now well, you uh, you started saving while well, you still had something to save. Another thing I guess I'd add is uh, with all the stories about potential food shortages with farmers can't get things to market and some crop failures and a few other things that go bump in the night that it could be that even if things do come back, there could still be some shortages or things would be rather expensive. So uh, if you can, unlike Chip in an apartment, if you can do a garden, put in a garden now. It's spring. Now's the time to do it. If this happened in October, yeah, too bad. But, you know, it you can uh, grow your own food. You're probably not going to be able to grow all of your own food, but if you can grow some of it, you've taken the edge off of what you can't get commercially. So there's my advice. Plant a garden. Good. Don't eat a lot. Good points, good
0: points. And and Chip Chip is going to get some containers, and he's going to do some container gardening. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's going to do that. Um, Brian, let,
3: let's go with you. What What advice would you give? So, I try to keep a level head, and i and one of the whole points of my website was to get away from the extremist and the doomsday prepper type of scenario you know the with that said, I can see this turning upside down really easily, so we're already seeing it in the news right now with the meat packing plants and um farmers having to just Bury their their crops and everything. so we're looking at widespread food shortages potentially, and along with that comes financial problems as well. But if we start going downhill financially, which we've already done, you know. But if it really starts getting bad, and comes back in the fall, is is you know like it did, you know I, I you know they they keep saying that well, well we'll know quicker. Okay, if people start spreading this through their workplaces and everything has to shut down again before mm-hmm. we even recover wow can you imagine how bad this could get so i don't want to sound like an alarmist but as preppers that's what we have to do we have to look forward and see what's possible ha- what could possibly happen and prepare prepare for that and i think back to where in 2008 when it really wasn't that bad, but it felt bad. And a lot of people ran, made a run for the banks. And I'm thinking this might be a good time to get some cash out and put it in your safe or, or wherever you keep your money. But it it might be time to take a little something out, you know, to to prepare for that. It might be, I I can't, you know, I can't talk about investments. I'd be so far out of school. Wouldn't you be, I have no idea about any of that. I'm just winging everything, but um you know, if you, if maybe you want to talk to somebody about investments or something like that, I have no clue where that's going. Um, I know a lot of people say buy gold and silver and all that. I just think, I don't think it's going to get so bad that like the dollar is going to become useless. I hope not. But while it's still good, it might be a, nice to be able to get it out of the bank. Um, already just two weeks ago, I think my grandson had went to the bank He's in college, so he's he's staying with friends because he, you know, we wouldn't let anybody in and out of the house. So he he called me and told me, he says, "Well, there's a there's like 50 cars in the drive-through because they have the inside of the, the banks are closed. The only way you can do in transactions is ATM or the drive-through." And I'm like, "Why are they there?" And he says, "I gotta get my money out of the bank while I still can." This is a 20-year-old college student, and he's taking <laughs> the money. Wow, why why would you think you needed to do that, just in case? So it's one you know one I'm concerned. Wow, well, that's something that you know, shouldn't have to really worry about at 20 years old and going to school. Same time I'm kind of a little proud that he's like looking yeah. bad, or maybe heard you know some rumors or something. But it got me to thinking. Yeah, that's not a bad idea, you know, to get some of that money out just in case. But we definitely need to prepare as far as what we have. And I like the idea of um, trying to spread things out because I mean, even now, if you go onto Amazon and try to buy any type of um, what we would consider prepper items, I don't know who let the cat out of the bag, but everybody went and bought everything out. (laughs) I mean, what happened with it? I mean, you can't buy freeze dried anything. You can't buy any dehydrated anything. All this stuff did a long term somebody's YouTube channels are got to be blown up because I think every person that never heard anything beyond the TV shows on preppers must have went on to YouTube and discovered what to go by because those things are gone. And luckily we're, we're pretty set, but if this went on for a year, then what would we do then? So it might, you know, I like that idea of spreading it out too. Good points. Good points. Chip? Um,
1: I got a couple of things. Um, We are um, making plans of what expenses that we can get rid of. What is not a necessary thing to uh, keep our lives going. So we're ready to cut things if we have to. Um, That's a good thing to look into. Um, My wife and son are looking for ways to make a little bit extra money, you know, so that um, we can have some extra cash and buy some extra preparedness stuff, and and for me the big thing is to to start engaging the community. You know, start reaching out to people and talk to them about preparedness. Um, we we'd all like to have a you know a mutual assistance group that that's got a bug out location that's fully stocked and all that. But for myself and I think a lot of people, your 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 group is going to be your community, like you've talked about several times, Todd. So. I think we all should be engaging our neighbors, you know, as best as we can with operational security. But, you know, the more your neighbors are prepared, the better off you're going to be if things get really, really bad.
0: Very true. Very well said, uh, Chip, on that. Uh, I would, I would do two, two things. Um, well, first of all, I, I like what you said about the, the debt, and my wife and I, we're doing that right now. If there's anything that we can cut, any kind of memberships, any kind of things like that, I mean, we're cutting those things and, and making sure that uh, you know we don't, if we, if, especially if we're, if we're only using it every, every so often. Um, the other thing that I would say is look at where you are right now and, and look at what you're going to need in the future. And I'm not necessarily talking. I mean, y'all all covered food and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about what you might need in the fall, what you might even need in the winter time. And is there a way that you can get those things right now if you can afford it? If you can, if you can bring those things in? Yeah, just like toilet paper and food. If you don't need it, you you know you have it. Uh, but if you do need it, you, you it was really is really good that you had it. Uh, ahead of time, just in case things start winding down and you're not able to get those things a little bit later on down the road. Because uh, I, I don't know who said it, but I think it was Mick. Right now, it is you know we're in springtime and things are really good and we can go outside and enjoy the fresh air and the the sun and all that good stuff. Uh, but when winter comes around, you know if we're in the same kind of situation or worse, who knows what it's going to be like? So looking into the future. And is there anything that you know that you're going to need? Things maybe that you were planning on purchasing in in the fall or in the winter that you can purchase now. Maybe you can get a better deal on it right now, but at least you know that you have it. And I think that's a a good thing. So um, as we end here, I want to go ahead and uh, just ask y'all this last question. Uh, If people want to connect with you, where can they connect with you, Uh, You know, website, whatever? So take a few minutes to do that. Uh, Chip, will you go ahead and start us off there?
1: Sure. Uh, my website is cribsteward.com and um, my email is chipfeck at cribsteward.com.
0: All right. Awesome. And I know that uh, I've read your articles before in the past. So people, people have uh, seen that, but I'm going to link to all of your websites in, uh, in, the, um, in the show notes. Mick, can you tell us a little bit, you know, where can people find you if they're looking to connect
2: with you? Okay, the, uh, the website is mick-roland.com. Uh, apparently somebody has already uh, got the domain microland, so I couldn't do that. So it's mick-roland.com. Email would be mick at mickroland.com. Awesome.
0: Awesome. And I always say hyphen. So I, when I talk about, I mean, and you've been on the podcast before. We've done a Facebook Live is what we've done. And uh, I always say Mick-Roland.com. But uh, there you Whatever go. there gets you there.
3: That's fine Ooh. by me. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Where where can people connect with you? Everything's pretty much at nextstepsurvival.com. And um, I have links. I have an about page, a contact page, all my social media um you're not going to find me on facebook very often i've took taken that off of my phone for quite some time now so the only time i ever get on the facebook is when my wife leaves her phone unattended and then uh and that's not even in my name i just get to like you know, snoop on it see what the family's up to but i'm not on facebook but i do have links to all that on, on nextstepsurvival.com
0: perfect all right well, guys, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and spending a little bit of your uh, your evening with me and sharing a little bit about your preparedness and your insights into preparedness. I greatly appreciate
1: it. Thanks, Todd. Thank you, Todd.
0: Well, all right. Hey, guys, once again, thank you so much for coming on the Prepper website podcast. Chip, Mick, Brian, I just really appreciate you guys and what you're doing out there for the preparedness community, writing articles, helping people. And uh, g- to get better prepared, and, and coming at it from different insights and, and and perspectives. So thank you so much for doing that. Hey guys, don't forget I'm gonna link to their websites in the show notes so you can go check them out. Um, you know Mick is an author. He's got books out there. He's talked about that. Chip, um, it, again, he does the inventory thing, and uh, he, he offers some forms that you could buy to help you get better prepared. Don't forget that coupon code PW20 for 20% off of that. And Brian, I love that approach to the step-by-step, just taking it step-by-step and not doing the freak out, which so many people do, and uh, you know, going, going from there. So uh, go check out their websites and, and let them know that you uh, you heard them on the Prepper Website Podcast. Well, everyone, that's it for episode 638. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app or head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to prepperwebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't, When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles you should read. And guys, again, that is just the regular email list. We also have the exclusive email group that you can be a part of. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.